buddy doing fantastic glad the uh the hour of sunlight's moved to the afternoon now i know it's uh definitely made everyone a lot happier i think oh yeah even just w- coming in here at seven o'clock uh getting ready for our show and having it be light out is so much nicer it's well, fantastic why do we even do that like what's the purpose i think we should just keep it at daylight savings time you know that seems like it'd be the smart thing it has something to do with farmers i think i don't know it seems very very counterproductive everyone seems super depressed while they're doing it like just doesn't seem to really be helping anybody but i mean i'm just a regular guy i guess i don't know i whoever is benefiting from this please call in and let us know <laughs> so uh, this week on the show uh we were supposed to have uh, our good friend mike kashik but uh couldn't get him on just for technical reasons so instead we're going to talk about the upcoming schedule that mcmaster football has coming up don't you love technology oh it's Sp- supposed to make your life easier and just to- <laughs> totally ruins everything <laughs> Uh, so the the very first game of the season, we're kicking off things on August 25th against Guelph in Guelph. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a phenomenal game. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. Guelph has a brand new coaching staff uh, with Ryan Sheehan as the uh, new head coach slash offensive coordinator. He's coming out from Calgary, where uh, I believe he's he won either three or four. No. two or three uh, Hardy Cups out there, and he's only been there for four or five years. So uh, the guy has a high-powered offense. He really knows what he's doing. Plus, the last two quarterbacks that he had were heck Crichton winners. So uh, he's got to be doing something right with those quarterbacks. Do you have any thoughts on this, Matty? No, not really. No, I don't. Honestly, I don't know a whole lot about Guelph other than, you know, they had the the many jerseys and they were (laughs) real real aerial attack. So, oh, no, sorry. They had uh, Farquharson back in the day. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they were the opposite, what am I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh so their their current quarterback, Theo Landers, is he almost reminds me a little bit of Jazz Lindsay. Uh do you remember him? He was the the running gun quarterback. He didn't have the greatest arm, but he had he was a hell of an athlete. Yeah, he was an athlete. Yeah, I remember too, he kinda took over mid season yeah. the one year and he came in there and actually like led Guelph. I think they they played us in the Yates Cup that year. Yeah, right? they did. Yeah, that's yeah right. they did. So uh and that's the other thing we can kind of branch into as well. Uh, the idea of having a dual threat quarterback in the CFL when you only have three downs, I think is so key. Like I don't think like a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady could be nearly as successful in the CFL just staying in the pocket uh, versus the ability to, to run and, and gun or do whatever you can whenever you have an opportunity. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. I remember, honestly, playing defense, there is nothing worse than a quarterback that can run. Because a lot of people don't know. So when you're playing defensive line and you are against a quarterback that can't run, it's you pin your ears back and you just go. You're, you're, you're not scared of him burning you. Whereas when you have a quarterback that can run the run, you have to rush more discipline. You can't get too far field because he does it create gaps and he outruns just your whole team. I remember a couple years ago when I was playing for the Hamilton Ironman and the OVFL, we played against uh, Brandon Bridge. He's on, the, yes. he's, on, he's on the Rough Riders now. We were grade nine, grade ten kids, you know. So we, we didn't really know how things work. So our coaches always be like, "You got to rush this guy with discipline. You can't just run him; it'll make you look stupid." Our whole D line, like honestly, every play we just would go, you know, try to be the hero, try to get the quarterback sack, and he, I think he outran us for a touchdown like three or four times that game. Oh yeah, I remember playing against him as well, and there was a time where he completely hurdled one of our players. Then this guy's like what six five, um, so the ability to jump that high was just a crazy athlete, and he's got a pretty decent arm as well, um, but. It, even more so than that, it helps as an offensive lineman as well because, you know, if you have a quarterback that's just staying in one spot, um, you know, you've got guys who are coming in. D linemen can do any any kind of move you want as long as you can get to the quarterback. But in this sense, you know, 
even if you do mess up, as long as you commit your guy to one way, your quarterback who's mobile can move in the pocket, he can get going, and that's a lot like Theo Landers was. Um, and even still, you know, we talk about maybe he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he had that, uh, I think it was like a 50 or 60-yard bomb to uh, one of his receivers last year to beat Ottawa just at the dying seconds to get to the Yates Cup. So, you know, one of those quarterbacks, like we said, if you focus too much on his legs, he can burn you with his arm and vice versa. So um, they're going to be a tough, tough team to beat as well. They just brought in Dennis McPhee, who we talked about before, who has an unbelievable defensive scheme. So yes, <laughs> that's going to be a very, very tough break for these marauders who frankly for the past few years have really struggled on offense um, Tommy Neal who is their all-star wide receiver has really been the high point for them but they've had so much rotation with quarterback with uh, you know Jackson White and with um Duek, Andre Duek, and now they've got Liam Putt in there as well. So they've got three different options, and they had three different guys rotating through all last season. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out as number one, as long as well as you know losing your entire team or your entire offense, I should say, with uh, Jordan Lyons leaving. It always seems like that Guelph is just always like the big game freak master now. Yeah, I feel like that is like. I think that's become more of a rivalry than Western now. And my, the reason why I say that is because I feel like, you know, Western's kind of, you know, gotten a little bit far ahead of the pack. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of like they've elevated ahead of everyone as of right now. So it always feels like, and every time they play Guelph, even when Guelph's bad, you know, they just seem to give McMaster a good go. Even like last year's game, that was just ridiculous. I think what they won by a point in overtime yeah, or something. Yeah, that's like that. right. And you, you're going to know that. Guelph is definitely going to want some uh, revenge on that because their kicker, their all-star, all-Canadian kicker, missed three field goals, and like you said, they only lost by one point. So if he miss, if he makes any of that, or if he just gets two or three rouges, they win the game. But he just, for whatever reason, was off the mark in that first game. Maybe it was jitters or whatever, but it was it was bad. I hate that rule. Oh. The rouge. <laughs> like, maybe if you want to do it like on a punt or a kickoff, that's fine. Because you're not actively trying to score. But you shouldn't be rewarded for missing a field goal. You know what? I think it's the most Canadian thing ever. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, you know, that was a good kick, eh? You kicked it hard through the end zone. No, oh, you should get a point just because it was a good kick. Like, no, you should get nothing. You missed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100%. 100% right. Oh, my. <laughs> and then, you know, actually, though, I will say the one thing I do like about those, the end of certain games, they're kind of, I mean, it turns to soccer a little bit or rugby. Yes. Yeah, some of those games, they're kicking <laughs> yeah. it back and forth. I remember, I think it was 2012 on a recruiting trip. I went to Laurier, and I saw them play Windsor, mm-hmm. and the game ended with them, like, kicking it back and forth, like, four or five times. Like, what is this football? And then Windsor kicked it to the end zone and won. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it was so exciting, but, like, why is that a rule? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the weirdest thing. I've actually, I was coaching a team in, for Burlington a few years ago, and we lost a semifinal game based on that rouge because the you know field goal kicker didn't even try to kick the field goal. He just tried to boot it as hard as he could through the side of the end zone, which was much closer, much easier to do because all that needs is just power, right? You just bounce it through the end, uh, the end zone and get through. So um, that's another conversation entirely, but yes. that's a dumb rule. <laughs> yeah, it is a dumb rule. And we should, we should be able to take that. That out. Uh, the next game on the on the season is against Ottawa at home, and you're talking about Guelph giving troubles. No matter what, Ottawa has always given Mac troubles throughout the years. <laughs> yes, they gave us trouble. Oh. Our boy uh, Latanzio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I start sweating every time 
I hear that guy's name. That's he was the most dominant player as a defensive lineman. He changed not only a defense the the way that they ran defense at Ottawa, but the way that we blocked him, which I've never experienced before ever at Mac. Yeah, it was like a linebacker playing yeah. deep nose tackle, but he was like unreal. <laughs> he, had, he had the strength of a defensive lineman. But he had the quickness, the agility, and the body size of a linebacker. And it was the weirdest thing in the world because, you know, he's only like 230, 240 pounds. And myself, I at the time, I was like 320. I was like, oh, yeah, I can get this guy. And he would just, like, throw me around like as if I weighed, like, 180. Like, it was nuts. So I think he's still in the league, actually. I think he plays for Ottawa Red Blacks. Yeah. Um, and that's... You know, deservedly, he's very, very good. But uh, Ottawa, like we said, always gives him problems. Uh, Jamie Barisi, who is the uh, head coach for Ottawa, he is uh, actually a Penn State, uh, formerly a coach at Penn State. Uh, not, it's very impressive that he was at Penn State, but he was also at Penn State, I believe, during the Sandusky era. So that's, ooh. yeah, don't want to get into that. <laughs> no, no, we're going to skip over that. Uh, the next one. Week three is potentially the biggest game of the season. It always is against Western at home, which is a nice thing because winning in Western is uh, one of the most difficult things. They are the uh, reigning Yates Cup champions. They lost the Vanier this year to Laval, who have never been beaten at home. So uh, I don't even think you can really knock that against them. This team is, uh, from what I can remember, was a very young team, although Chris Merchant, who is their quarterback, is moving on. They've got a few running backs, a few offensive linemen. So um, you can hope that maybe they've got some other guys in there who are not as strong or things but you know knowing western they've always got guys who can just come back into different roles and different positions and just keep kind of moving you know what amazes me about western how they're a run first team in the canadian game yes that's insane they get like five yards of carry all the time it's almost like there's nothing more demoralizing than playing defensive line and having a team just consistently running it down your throats oh gosh and it's 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 not only demoralizing for the defense who you're out there, but now on the offensive side, you now feel this supreme pressure that you need to score and you need to score now because your defense needs to break. You need to you know, establish a drive, really try to get some dominance in. And the worst possible thing you can do, which happens a lot against Western, is the offense goes to and out and then the defense has to go right back on the field. And that's how they really get things going. I remember uh, two years ago when they won the Vanier Cup, they had uh, two or three running backs who were over 1,000 yards. Two or three. That's just not even fair. To have one on a team is outstanding. It was nuts. So these these guys are always high powered. Hopefully they're not as high powered. So it you know kind of allows other teams to get in there. But this is that's going to be a big game, and they're going to have to bring their absolute best if they want to beat them. Absolutely. You know what's frustrating too when you're playing from an offensive perspective when you're playing against an offense who's running the ball that are throwing your defense. It puts pressure on an offense as well because you. Just don't know when you're getting the ball back. Yes. You might not see for another quarter and then you can't get in a rhythm. It's actually like the most frustrating thing ever. It's like playing in that kid in that board game who just like finds some like loophole <laughs> rule and just frustrates you. And you're like, oh, it's in the rules, but it's so annoying. Yeah. You're being so cheap. Stop <laughs> doing this. <laughs> well, yeah, because not only does it, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on the offense, which then makes the offense think, okay, we got to score now. And so you try these high risk, high reward kind of plays, but you know, you throw the deep ball, the jump ball, or whatever it is, unless you've got a stud receiver who can go up, 
get it and come down with it. Uh, it's just it's really like a 50-50 ball, like we were saying. And then you do that two and out, and it's super quick. You do two pass plays, and the defense has maybe 30 seconds to sit on the bench and just kind of relax. And in that time, not only do you not get a chance to take a breather, but your coach doesn't have any time to do adjustments and things. So you get back on the field, and you do the exact same thing, and they pound it down your throat, and then suddenly it's 14 nothing in the first quarter. Honestly, if I'm a defensive coordinator against a power run offense, I'm just sending everyone. I'm playing man up the whole time. You know, if you're going to score on me, score on me quick. Yeah. Don't demoralize me. Just score right away. Yeah. You know, like I'm just, yeah, high risk, high reward on defense. I would do it right back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in previously years, uh, the way that we had such success, excuse me, success over Western was overloading them. I remember when we were playing Will Finch, who we had on the show, who was one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to come out of the Burlington area. The way that we really flustered them is we always said plus one pressure, meaning if they had five blockers in, there were six guys coming. If they had uh, six, we were sending seven and so on and so on. So no matter what, there was always one guy who was coming free. And that's the way you disrupt either the run game. Hopefully you get up uh, in the right gap. You disrupt the passing game. You don't give Will enough time to really throw or set up kind of thing. And that's how we've kind of flustered them. But even then, you know, it's relies a ton on luck on being able to guess the right gaps to send guys through and things. And it's, it's nuts. So uh, they're really going to have to come up with something crazy in order to beat them. Absolutely. Uh, the next game don't, you don't like to say it, but it looks like it's already a W yeah. it's against York in York. Tom, we can't give York any motivation. What are you doing? <laughs> don't do that. If they hear this. They're going to use this bulletin board, bulletin board material. Listen, if the bulletin board material worked, they would have been Vanier Cup champions three years ago. <laughs> True. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, too, because, you know, one of the teams, like York has been perennially uh, a losing team that really haven't been able to find the rhythm and things. And yet one of the coaches who have stayed the most consistent is York. You know, Warren Craney is still the head coach over there and he's been there for years. I don't think he's had a single winning record. And it's like, how can you justify this? York's a really weird team to me because I find like, you know, they're always like, it seems like, oh, you know, they're just like a year or two away from, you know, breaking out being like, you know, a 500 team. And I just... Never happens. And the next year they're bad again. You know, they're just kind of stuck between like three and five and like zero oh and eight all the time. They just never seem. They just can't get over that hump. I feel. I don't know what it is. I th- I think a lot of it has to do with Toronto. I don't think Toronto is really a university town. That's true. It's more of like you know a business. I know I work in Toronto during the week. I can tell you, it's definitely not a university town. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot awesome bustle. A lot kids commute. Yeah. It doesn't have the great university atmosphere. So I feel like that kind of plays. So it's really hard to recruit there. But yeah, it just, they just seem like one of those teams. I just, you know, can't get over the hump. Yeah, and it's funny too because it's not like they don't have good players who go there. Do you remember the Hunchacks? Uh, there was, I think, it was Colton Hunchak. Um, he was a wide receiver for them. He played for them uh, with his brother, who was a quarterback. And the two of them, like, were almost on the verge of setting records for how much you know the um, the passer relationship between the two. Obviously, them being brothers, it really reminded me of uh, Turnowski and Trey Ford, who are at Waterloo right now. The with the level of you know uh, knowledge that the two of them. Have have and the uh, comfort uh, comfortability that they have just going to one another and like Hunchak is in uh, the CFL he's going to be in the CFL combine this week um, it, it like 
there's regional combines and then there's the Toronto combine, which is like the best of the best. He's in the Toronto combine. So they have athletes, they have people and like they've had awesome offensive linemen there previous years. They've had great defensive linemen. I remember there was a guy who we actually had to game plan for when we played them. I think we actually had to game plan for. It was literally like, watch this one dude. If we block him, we're good. And that's what we did. Um, But like, like I said, they've, they've had athletes before in the past it's just they need to get something going and like you know for a year back in 2014 i think once again kyle quinlan was one of their he was an assistant offensive coordinator but still the guy knows football so at the very least he must have shown something or said something of how they could win or how they could do whatever and it's just nothing has really come to pass it seems like york's only real competitive games are against windsor and against toronto and that's about it yeah and he speaking of which the next game on the schedule is Windsor. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you're going to get both Baltimore material, aren't you? Oh, I, yeah, sure yeah. Am. Yeah. I sure, <laughs> sure am. I sure am. The one, actually, you know what I'll say? The one uh, positive is that they've got a new head coach now. It's, uh, I think his name is JP uh, Cercelli. He was an offensive line coach at Western. So at the very least, this guy has been around championships. He understands what it takes to be a champion. Whether or not he can get that done at Windsor is a different story, but he knows what it takes, and hopefully he can bring some kind of pride to that program because, once again, Windsor – and you know what? Windsor was actually very good when we were in our first year. Austin Kennedy. Austin Kennedy. Yeah. He was like – people kept saying he was like Kyle Quinlan 2.0, but no. He was very good. He was good, yeah. He was very good. <laughs> he had he had the same arm. He had the running ability. He was fantastic. He calls himself AK-47, which just made me dislike him very much. <laughs> but he was a phenomenal player. He, he really did well. And whatever they did to get him there, they obviously have the capabilities to get good uh, players to be there. You know what I mean? Like, whatever they did to get Kennedy there, if they can start to get people who are like him or even just – own that Windsor area, you know, the next closest team to that is like Queens and they're still like two or three hours away. Right. So whatever you do, if you just own that area, eventually you're going to have some guys who are coming out, coming through. I agree with that. Cause there's actually a lot of studs in the Windsor area. Like the Essex Ravens, they're like a great, like o- yes. OBFL, OPFL team. That, that's a hotbed for football. And like, they're honestly, they're so close to the States. Like it's basically America. Yeah. You know, I know a lot. It's like, I know a lot of couple guys uh, that actually went to school in the States. Cause it's just, it's, so close right so maybe that's kind of a problem as well because mm-hmm. the border is so close a lot of them do end up going to the ncaa but yeah 100 i agree if you could control windsor then that would be a decent team they would always be in the playoff fight every year yeah absolutely and you know even going back to our show when we were talking with marcus noel in those championship teams at smu a few of those guys who were on those teams were americans so flip the script go down to america because not every kid is down there is getting recruited in the the, uh, the detroit area maybe a little bit of a sketchy area but there's athletes down there mm-hmm. so if you were willing hey you know you're not talking to any of the d1 schools you've got division two schools who are available why don't you come up to canada where you can really play and you can show your stuff here you're probably if you're going to a division two school unless you're a really late bloomer you're probably going to go to cfl anyways so why don't you get some more experience in university so then you know the game you know how things work and you can go onto the cfl and be a professional athlete and you don't gotta write your sats that's a huge what's one. there not to love that's like four <laughs> yeah. hours back into your life yeah and for sure like it's probably i guarantee in certain uh, scenarios 
for the Windsor coaches, it'll probably be easier for them to go down to the States and recruit somebody who is like, you know, half hour away, just over the border versus like coming up to Hamilton, who's like five or six hours away trying to get them to go all the way down there. You know, it's the same country, but they're way, way farther away than they are in Detroit or in the surrounding area. So I think if he can capitalize on that, you know, maybe he's got a uh, a future there at Windsor, and hopefully they, they can just get something going because, like we said, they just they haven't been very good in recent years. And you know, the better the bottom teams are in a conference, the better the conference looks in general. I agree. So hopefully they can they can uh, get things going, and then to round out this high packed three game schedule yeah. is against Toronto. That's a tough uh, mid season stretch there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, that's something. But in Toronto, once again, it's this the same thing that we've talked about before. They are perennial losers. Another thing, too, with Toronto, it's just a tough school to go to. It's a tough yes. school to be in. Their academics is off the charts. I My cousin, who I live with right now, she is stressed. and She's a U of T student. She loses her mind. Yeah. So, yes, it's it's a tough academic school. It's, it must be really tough to balance the football life and the academic life. Absolutely. There. And as a, as a coach, it's probably hard to just to recruit kids to come there. Not many times are you coming to kids, and a lot of kids are really good, and they've got like 80 averages and things, but the bare minimum at Toronto is like an 85 for some programs, I think. And like, if you want to get into, you know, if you're qualified to get into Toronto school, you're probably going to do things past football. You're not going to keep going with football because you're brilliant, Mm -hmm. basically. Like, if you go to Toronto for like engineering or medical school or something, like... Maybe you don't play football and you just become a genius instead. You know what I mean? So, like, unless they can do stuff like – I know Western. Western has a rule there where if you're a student athlete, you're coming in, you get, like, a 5% um, kind of leeway there because the student athletes there obviously have to balance football and school. And it's, like, another job, basically, that you're not paid for while you're doing this. So they allow some kind of leeway there. I think if Toronto, if the higher-ups there can allow something like that, then maybe you have a, a different chance of getting kids in. But frankly, that's the biggest thats the biggest hurdle you got to get over because the, the facilities at Toronto are great. Um, they've always been the, the host for the Toronto uh, Combine that we were just talking about. So they have the facilities around them to get, uh, get good, basically. Um, they just need to be able to get guys who – aren't necessarily these brilliant people and, you know, try to get them into the program. Uh, The next game after that is against Carlton in Carlton, and that's a rematch of the playoff game that they played last year that they lost, uh, and that's going to be some bad blood there. I think that's going to be a really, really good game. What do you think, Matty? Honestly... Carlton was one of those teams when they first got like when they I remember they first came to the league I think it was 2013. Yep. Everyone just knew they were going to be good. Yes. You know what I mean? They they got they got the money there, you know. They got they're in Ottawa a hotbed. So I think it's going to be a really tough game. Um Bossy, I hate to say it, but I, I, in in Ottawa, that that's a tough game. That's a I, very tough I, game. I, I could I could see us taking an L there for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, there is going to be, and I don't even necessarily think that there's going to be some bad blood there because last year at that time when they played against Carlton in Carlton, they weren't really. I don't think that they were extremely focused on the game versus you know at that time. Uh, head coach Greg Knox had just been let go from the team. They had taken off the decals off their helmets to, in order to protest that. And so I don't really think that they were concerned all about the game itself and more so 
showing solidarity against you know the university itself for doing what they did to Greg Knox, which I'm not a huge fan of taking off the decals because I feel like the decals themselves represent more than just the university and the current team. It represents the alumni and past coaches and things. So uh, that's another conversation that we can get into. But yes. regardless, that's going to be a very tough game, and that's going to be a very important game because it's the second-last game on the season. Mm-hmm. Finally, we close out the year against Waterloo at home, and there's going to be that's going to be another phenomenal game. Coach John Behe, who was the offensive coordinator at McMaster for so many years, is still over there. He's still working with the team, so it's him coming back to his uh, his university. It's you know I think Waterloo broke a streak that Mac had beating like Waterloo last year. I think it was something like. 15 or 12 to 15 years that we had lost to Waterloo and they broke that streak last year uh, and so that's going to that's going to require the best possible game that McMaster can play especially with Trey Ford who we were talking about before who is the OUA's candidate for the Heck Crichton winner this year so they've got athletes they've got the coaching staff around them now I think their defense is the weak point on that team and if McMaster's offense like we said before can really step it up then they have a chance what do you think Matty? I think, you know, I think McMaster's going to win here. Mm-hmm. Very close game, start home, but that's going to be a real interesting game again with, you know, Behe coming to town. And then, you know, Chris Bertoia, what a job he's done. Oh, yes. that program. Right? You know what? Honestly, when I was getting recruited, he was just a phenomenal guy. When I didn't, co- he was at Western at the time, sorry, when I was getting recruited. Mm-hmm. When I didn't commit there, he was like one of the few coaches shook my hands, like, you know, best luck. You know, I wish, you know, you could have came here, but, you know, I wish you all the best. Just very classy guy great with the kids as soon as he went to Waterloo I'm like this guy is going to make this program good so you know what it's going to be tough I think Max is going to win based on they're at the fact they're at home yeah. but you know it could go either way Waterloo they're they're an up coming team don't sleep on them absolutely I completely agree with that so going through the entire schedule there uh, we're started off at Guelph then against Ottawa at home Western at home at York uh, Windsor at home at Toronto at Carleton and Waterloo at home what do you think the final record is for the McMaster Marauders this year? We can go through it game by game. Do you think they're going to win against Guelph in Guelph? That's a tough one. That's a very tough you one. You know, I can't, I can't, in a McMaster sweater and in a <laughs> yeah, McMaster yeah. studio, yeah. pick Guelph over Mac. So I'm going to say Mac wins that game in a nail-biter. Yeah, I'll... Uh, uh, that's going to be a very good game. Yes. That's going to be in- incredible. Uh, yeah, that's. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, against Ottawa at home, what do you think? I think because they're at home, I think they pull the W out. Yeah. I'm going I'm to say they beat Ottawa. Yeah, that's that's fair there. Uh, I think Ottawa's graduated a lot of players as well, so they're not going to be the same team. I'm sure they're still going to be very strong. They've, uh, they've got great recruiters there. Um, but I think I think you're right. I think Matt comes away with a win there against Western at home. Uh, I hate to say it, but I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think we take a loss Yeah, here. that's that's got to be an L there. Western is just way too competitive there. Um, they're like a well-oiled machine, man. They just keep going and going and going. So uh, that's going to be a very, very tough game. I'll still be watching, but that's going to be a very tough game. Uh, against York. Yeah, they... They're 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 gonna win. That's a de- I, think, I think they win big too. Yeah, that's a, that's a W. Hopefully they get chances for you know second or third string guys to get in there and get some game time experience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you never you know want to say that, but it's reality. Yes, it's probably what's gonna go down. And against Windsor, 
I'm going to say another W there yeah. as well. They win big. Yeah, I think I think they win big, but Windsor shows flashes of something. Yeah. Windsor shows flashes of something better because Cercelli is going to do something good there. I have full confidence in him, uh, but it's not this year. No. That's for damn sure. Uh, at Toronto. Yeah, that's going to be another yeah, that's win enough. big. Yeah. There's not much to say. I mean, just yeah, that's the better programs is going to win. Now we come to the real tough spot at Carlton. I'm going to say they lose for multiple reasons. Okay. Number one, it's in Carlton. That's a long bus trip. Guys are going to be tired. And the thing is, too, when you play three easy games like that, I hate to say it. You know, they like to say, you know, they take every game seriously, but human nature is you don't. Yeah. And when you're playing three weak teams like that in a row, you know, you kind of get sluggish. You know, you kind of don't go as hard. And you're a little bit out of, like, elite game shape, I want to say, especially if you have second stringers and stuff playing. So, Playing Carlton, going from like zero to a hundred like that is a real shock. Yeah. So because of that, those two reasons, I think they're going to take an L to Carlton for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised as well if that Toronto game that we're talking about isn't their best game because they'll just come off of two big wins against York and Windsor, so they'll probably take Toronto a little bit easier. And this year, I think I think the score at halftime was like eight nothing against Toronto. So don't take them very lightly because they got some athletes yeah. there. I, I hate as a player going through stretches like this in a season. We play like three oh. weaker teams. It's just like oh my god, these next three weeks. Like, yeah, just oh. yeah, just brutal. Uh, and then the last game at home against Waterloo. What do you think? I think in a very tight game, might require overtime, Max squeaks it out and they finish 6-2. and two. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be a phenomenal game. I think that should be the game of the week, um, depending on who else is playing kind of thing. But that's going to be awesome. Um, and McMass Marauders finish 6-2. and two. I think they just miss the first round bye. I think they're going to be either the third or fourth place uh, going in. And uh, going over previous years, I don't think a single team that's finished not in the bye week has ever made it to the Vanier Cup and won. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, to the Yates Cup and won, even before that. So uh, they've got a very tough uh, road ahead of them. I think they've got uh, amazing athletes, and they can definitely get this done if they are committed to it. Uh, but it's going to take everything they have from the coaching staff and from the players as well. It's it's going to be an uphill battle. Can we revisit these picks before the season? Yes, I, I, want, I want to know more. I'm literally just <laughs> yeah. pulling this out in my hat. Yeah, so we, we just uh, we just saw the McMaster uh, football schedule uh, a little earlier this week, and we wanted to talk about it briefly to start with. Um, even in the NFL, they do Mayox picks uh, version one, version two, version three. So we'll visit back to this when there's some more, when the dust has settled a little bit more. Uh, But we are just about out of time. This half hour just flies by every single time. Uh, Always, like we say, I always want to say thank you so much to everyone who listens. We really appreciate it. Uh, Our podcast is going to be up. We'll post it on our uh, social media. Our Instagram handle is... At recliner coaches. <laughs> <laughs> We're not very creative. Yeah. I almost said my own Instagram. I was like, wait, no, don't follow that. <laughs> uh, so it'll be on uh, at recliner coaches. There'll be a link there. Uh, please tune in. We really appreciate all the love and support that you guys give us. And we really hope that you have a phenomenal uh, rest of your St. Patrick's Day. So like forthcoming or whatever, but there's a time. I think it's all about balance. There's a time and a place for everything. And, well, and, yeah, and I art, agree. art is subjective, right? Like, 